Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. It's a very good afternoon, everyone. Here we are at the start of another week, and we're probably all exhausted after what was a heck of a weekend. We had the test match here at Optus Stadium, and significantly, uh, the Socceroos exiting the World Cup. And uh, what a weekend it was. Uh, and I suppose, when you look at it, is football a game of chance or destiny? And I reckon on the weekend... It felt like both. And that, in a way, is the most fitting end for the Socceroos at World Cup. A game filled with possibilities, wasn't it? With hope, with the sharp intake of a breath and having glimpsed a new chance, a new destiny just over the horizon. Australian football, I think, has arrived at the trembling edge of something. Something greater, some bigger and bolder dream. And like the Socceroos themselves, this game has always believed in itself in what it can do if all the pieces came together, if we all sang from the same hymn sheet. And Australia was certainly doing that right across uh, the World Cup path. So now from grassroots to youth pathways to the A-Leagues to the media coverage, the game has never quite cracked through that ceiling of reverence, never quite reached what its uh, many faithful followers have always believed it could. But uh, looking back over that game, against Argentina, maybe that moment to see what it could be uh, certainly materialised. And there were some very interesting circumstances. I thought the AFL uh, was absolutely pathetic uh, in releasing the first round of AFL fixtures at the time that almost a full-time whistle blew on Sunday morning, uh, 6am in the Eastern States. I just think fair dinkum, honestly. Anyway, the AFL got absolutely smashed for that lack of uh, credibility. And I reckon, and I said to someone on the weekend, they keep, and they have had a bad last quarter, the AFL, with what's transpired. And I reckon if they continue doing stuff like that, they just lose credibility day by day. And I think all other sports have been happy to share the horizon with the AFL, even though they've been considered minor sports. But if one sport starts to creep into their domain then the AFL reacts, and that's what they did glaringly on Sunday. Glaringly is that how dare someone else take some of the exposure or some of the newspaper space or some of the electronic media space when it should be reserved for us. And that's been the mentality of the AFL for a long, long time. As I said, every other sport is happy to live in unison and work with each other except Australian Rules Football, the, the big brother of uh, footy. Nothing will change. It'll still continue to be the most dominant football code in the country. So I don't know why they're so paranoid about it, but even when I was a wee boy going to primary school, people used to say, oh, the sleeping giant is the round ball game. Well, here I am, a couple of generations along, and sure, it's made inroads, but nowhere near the inroads that many thought as a young boy going to primary school that I thought it would make. 
Because in those days, soccer was very much the wog game and nobody played unless you came from another country. But now, as we saw the Socceroos on the weekend, it is just a great cross-section of the Australian multicultural community. And that's why it resonated so much with everybody across the weekend. Players from European descent, Australians playing in the A-League, players that came as refugees from the old former Yugoslavia and African nations. It represented everybody. And that's why I think in the end, they need to have their day in the sun. And what the AFL did on Sunday morning was just, I just couldn't believe it. Just could not believe it. Anyway, coming up on the program a bit later on is Stan Lazaridis. Now, he talked about the golden generation, which was 2006. Stan was part of that golden generation. He played with Harry Kuehl and Mark Viduka and Mark Schwarzer and all these legends, supposedly, of Australian football. So we're going to speak to Stan Lazaridis because now is this the generation that before the tournament nobody even would have known maybe one or two of these players that were representing Australia in the biggest sporting event being the World Cup. But there's certainly a few now that uh, are very much identified. So we make comparisons of those two World Cup teams with this one, of course, achieving more than 2006 when we got through to the knockout stage and were controversially ousted by Italy by one goal to nil through a penalty. Well, in this game... Uh, they achieved more because they actually scored in that round of 16 game, even though they went down by two goals to one. By the way, I'll be speaking to James Johnson, who's the CEO of Football Australia, on Wednesday at 5 o'clock on this program. Now, he's flying back from Qatar now. Uh, we'll land, I think, in Australia later tonight or tomorrow. And uh, I've booked a chat with him on Wednesday at 5 o'clock. I'll ask him the questions about what does football or soccer as we know it do after the back end of that and also Graham Arnold's contract uh, at the moment Arnie says I need a break I need a rest I'm going away on holidays and he richly deserves that because he's been under enormous pressure and as we know before the playoff games against United Arab Emirates and Peru no one gave the soccer as much of a chance to get to Doha or to Qatar and many were calling for his head so we'll see what the, the process will be with uh, James Johnson, the CEO of Football Australia, when I speak to him one-on-one uh, -on, -one on uh, Wednesday at 5 o'clock. So I'm looking forward to that because at the moment, Graham Arnold's tenure as soccer is coach uh, will be unresolved for at least a month, I believe, as uh, Football Australia reviews the World Cup campaign. And I'll speak to James Johnson about that review as well. All right. Um, as well as that, we'll speak to Cade Harvey. He is the head of high performance of the WAC. Great news about Lance Morris. Well, isn't that a, a lightning bolt when it comes to the Australian cricket team? A call up to his first Australian squad. I suppose it's a clear sign that selectors have an eye on him for the future. Most likely considered a like for like for Mitchell Stark if he doesn't recover in time. The West Aussie has been the leading wicket-taker in the Sheffield Shield this season with 27 at an average of 18.4. And we know that the 24-year-old has the ability to bowl up to 150 clicks per hour. 
and has long has long been considered as this country's fastest bowler. So we'll speak to him as well. You can join us on the Tempera at Bedshed text machine. Of course, Bedshed are experts in temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. Uh, and of course, when it comes to Kia, you've got to check out the seven-seat Kia Cerato large SUV. It's outstanding. But that Tempera Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. What are your thoughts? Was I, was I a bit harsh on the AFL? Do you think I was a bit harsh on the AFL or not? Or do you agree with me? Or give us your spin in relation to maybe the changing landscape of uh, Australian sport. As I said, I don't expect Australian rules football not to continue to be the number one football code in the country. But after what happened on the weekend and what we saw with our own eyes around the country and the rally of support, well, I think uh, there's something bubbling under the surface. And we're not talking about my generation, when you looked at the people that converged and followed it, it was the young people's generation. And maybe they're the ones that are more susceptible to trying something new. Young people like trying something new. Maybe they will try something new in relation to their appetite for professional sport. But we'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, by the way, uh, we've got plenty coming up. Join us on the Temper of Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. We'll speak to Stan Lazaridis, Australian soccer great, next on Sports Day. A man that was part of the Australian World Cup dream back in 2006 when the nation qualified for the first time since 1974 with Stan Lazaridis. They talk that uh, talk about that team as the golden generation. It's been used countless times, those two words, golden generation. And it's been compared to what the 2022 team has just achieved. So he's made himself available. He was in Qatar up until a couple of days ago. And Stan Lazaridis joins us on the program. Stan, thanks for your time. Stan? No. He's not there. All right, while we wait for Stan Lazaridis to uh, join us, just uh, updating what's happening. Uh, and I know Hayes and Mardo were talking about it on the run home. There's an interesting test match being played between England and Pakistan in Raul Pindi in Pakistan. And just to update uh, where it's at the moment, Pakistan, victory target is 343, a five for 228. Five for 228. Uh, it is session two of the final day's play. So uh, it really is in the balance. So what is that? 115 runs required by Pakistan and five second innings wickets in hand. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens there. Salman is 10 not out and Azhar 29 not out. And Ben Stokes, uh, the captain of the English team, is currently bowling. He has got one for 56. So as I said, just waiting for Stan Lazaridis uh, to join us. Okay, in the meantime, have a listen to Mark Bosnich, what he had to say about uh, Australia's performance against Argentina and the campaign. Well, I guess so. I mean, I wasn't here in Australia to witness a reaction back in 2006, so it was very hard for me to... You know, I, was, I was in England, I was watching. Um, the one thing I will say is that I can remember that 2006 game that I think Australia played against 10 men for about an hour. Well, today they played against 11, and um, like I said, really, at the end of the day... Um, you know, take away the, the mistake by the goalkeeper for the second goal. We're still here talking about it's extra time. 
Um, so it, it would be in different ways. There's always different eras, that, and that's a that's a great question when you start. You compare greatest sportsmen from different eras. They're great questions for restaurants or pubs at, at a later date. But I think the most important thing is right now for Australian football. It's been a tough time for Australian football the last couple of years, which has been exacerbated by the COVID situation. And let's hope that not only does this inspire more young kids to want to go and play and be a socceroo, but let's just hope the whole game takes this as a real fillip and it uses it to propel itself even further forward. Mark Bosnich uh, there on the SBS coverage uh, after Australia exited uh, the World Cup at the group stage. Stan Lazaridis now joins us. Stan, thanks for being patient and thanks for your time. Thanks, Peter. Good to have uh, have you on me. Yeah, thanks. nice to have a chat to you. Well, uh, I suppose deep down inside, when you left for Qatar before the tournament, you wouldn't have expected mm. what now we reflect on with the Socceroos' performance overall. Yeah, no, I think um, if you turn the clock back six months, I think we were even lucky to get in and and uh, the boys made it through and uh, Graham Arnold did a great job in getting us there. And then we're just thinking we're participating, um, and especially after the first game. No one gave us any hope, but the way the the boys rallied on, the, the games against Tunisia and then Denmark showed a good solidarity in the team. Um, you know, creating the goals, getting the goals, defending the lead, being very organised at the back, and then giving a real good account against Argentina. And, you know, uh, things could have gone a little bit differently as well with uh, Cole's last shot. So, all in all, it was a, a great, great performance from the guys. Yeah, and saying that, when you look at the setup, there was a lot of youngsters there, there were some experienced players there, and there was a handy group of players from the A-League so all of a sudden, yeah. you know, many thought, you know, the A-League is inferior, wouldn't have the players that would could represent Australia. Well, Graham Arnold showed faith, didn't he? He did, and it's also, that's promising for us going forward for the next four years because, you know, people were saying at the start, or, you know, Aaron Moy retires, Leckie retires, Matty Ryan retires, what happens then? And, you know, is this young team good enough? Well, I think they showed really good signs there that they are good enough. There was they're very well organised. See, sometimes you can have great individuals, i.e., like a Lionel Messi or Mbappe, etc., where the team plays around these players. With us, it's it's different. We've got a great team where all the players know their roles and duties, and they did very very well. We were hard to break down. Um, and in the end, things could have been different. But back to your to your point, I totally agree. I think the A-League has copped a lot of criticisms. But in saying that, we, we're producing some good players. Hopefully now that's a springboard for the next four years in building on that so we can produce more. Well, everyone knew the names back in 2006 of Vaduka, of Kuhl, of Kale, of Lazaridis, of Schwarzer, you know, those sort of names, everybody yeah. knew them around the country. There's a lot of these players, not many people knew yeah. who they were. They do know now. But can you compare yeah. 2006 to 2022? Or is it a case of, you know, it's it's 16 years, it's a different generation, football's played differently on the world scale, or can you make a comparison, Stan? And if so, what is that comparison? Yeah, I look at... <laughs> I think different times, I would say, Peter, as well. And, and you look at that 2006 squad, I think a lot of the players were playing overseas football and in big clubs regularly, as opposed to now it's a little bit different where our pathways are much more through Asia and uh, developing the A-League as such. So it's a bit 
difficult to answer that. But in saying that, one thing we have done is we've, you know, we've focused more on getting an Australian coaches um, that are more homebound, that are concentrating on our own players. So we've really focused in from two, uh, 2006 on producing Australian players within uh, the A-League, having our coach based here uh, full-time. And I think that ha- that is now starting to pay off. Are we quite there? No, we're not quite there yet. But I tell you, the the way the boys perform, it shows really great signs for us moving forward for the next World Cup. You make a good point regarding the coach. You're under, of course, a revered horse hitting, and Graham Arnold was there as an assistant in 2006. As he yeah. said in the press conference, he's been in the Australian football season as a player, as a coach for 37 yeah. years. And you make a good point. He was here 365 days a year, so he could keep tabs yeah. on each player. Well, of course, Hus, on the other hand, basically just flew in and flew out. and was only, what, with you guys in how many weeks leading yeah. up to the tournament? Oh, it was couple of months I think it, it was it wasn't enough if I'm being honest Peter I just think we had an exceptional squad of players as individuals and I think you know Gus could have put any 11 out I think uh, not saying that he didn't uh, orchestrate it very well he got us he got us fit and trained up and you know um, the, the way he got us prepared I would say was excellent but I think what Graham Arnold has done is he's producing a great team without the big, big names. And I think that's not easy. When you lose players like Baduka and Timmy Kales and Harry Kills, they're, they're very, very difficult to replace. So what do you do? Um, you've then got to produce a really good team. So would a good hitting work now when he's based in Holland and not here? The answer is no, because we've got very few players playing in Germany or, or in England for that matter. Um, whereas opposed to the way Graham Arnold has done it, he's, as we just said, he's based here. He, he, it's easy to get to Asia. Most of our uh, players are, are within a flight. Um, I think the good points that Graham Arnold has made in, in trying to find and produce uh, a home for the players where, where basically we can then really refine a bit like the Australian Institute of Sport was back in the day. Mm. Um, I think that's the line we need to go down to, to obviously produce this next kind of generation. So, Stan, what uh, should Graham Arnold do now? Um, should he? I know that he's taking a holiday, he's taking a break, he, he needs a rest, he'll be recharging. And yeah. uh, Football Australia, I'm speaking to James Johnson on this program on Wednesday at 5 o'clock, so I'm looking forward to having a chat to him. But if you're Graham Arnold, would you look at taking over the national team again or would you go maybe back into club football to try and improve your coaching? Because Paul Wade came out and said that when you're in a uh, coach of a national team, it's more a managerial role than a coaching role. Yeah, no, he makes a good point um, in what Paul Wade said there. I think the truth is Graham Arnold's going to be getting a whole host of offers from various clubs around the world. Um, And he may look at it as an opportunity for him personally that, you know... um, to leave uh, uh, representing uh, uh, Australia because it is very, very stressful. There's a lot of pressure. Um, it's not like you've got the next game to redeem yourself in club football. You know, it's almost like uh, you're a game away from just getting the, from getting sacked. So it's, it's a difficult, difficult job 
uh, and the stresses, and I know he's he's really stressed. He got really stressed out with this campaign. Mm. Um, he may opt for himself personally to take on club football and a bit like what happened to Ange Postacogli where he probably felt he's taken Australia as far as he, as he could and it was time for somebody else and it allowed him to then further his own career. And I think Graham Arnold will have the same thoughts and I know he speaks to Ange um, and gets his advice and the two speak. So I think he's going to need some time. I would personally love him to stay on for another four years because I think he's building his building and I think he just needs to keep that going for us. A couple of final questions, Stan. Uh, when you look back on the Socceroos, they failed to Argentina by two goals to one, but let's move on. Firstly, yeah. what was the World Cup like being housed in Qatar in the days that you were there? How did you find it? Look, initially I thought, oh, this is, this is a bit of a disaster, having it all in the one city, but... In the end, it was actually better than expected because, again, you got then the opportunity to see a lot of the other games. Uh, I personally went to a game almost every day, so I got to see nearly a dozen games. So from a fan's point of view, going there, it was great. Um, In previous World Cups, you know, you're you're scattered around. So generally, if it was in Qatar, it would only be uh, one particular group. So that in itself was just a bit to get around. You're seeing all uh, fans from various nations around the world and um, you're bumping into them in the streets. So there was certainly, there was a, an, a, a buzz around the city. I mean, being in a very financial uh, city, I mean, these guys can buy anything and do anything. And the stadiums that these guys do uh, were, were quite incredible. Um, all in all, I will say it was a success. Um, you know, would it, would someone, someone like Qatar have it again in in the future? I, I'm not so sure um, because things have changed. Um, but I would say it was better than what I uh, was expecting. Well, we've got England and France already through to the quarterfinals. That's going to be huge. Uh, as we let you yeah. go, Stan, who do you favour uh, to maybe go all the way after you know seeing most of the nations up until this stage? Yeah, look, I, I see on one side, because the way that the groups are, uh, are played out, I see probably Brazil and Argentina battling it out on one side. And I think the other finalists will come out of England or France, believe it or not. I know they're going to be meeting up in a quarterfinal, but I, I do feel the other side is a little bit weaker compared to the Brazil-Argentina. So I see those four teams particularly, uh, you know, the two, the two teams out of them four will go to the final and probably Brazil, just based on the depth that they have. And, and if Neymar is fit, I think Brazil would take it out. Good on you, Stan. Welcome back home. Thanks for your time here on my Sports Day program. And uh, I'm glad you enjoyed the experience. We all did from afar down here in Australia. It was just rocking and rolling uh, right across uh, the couple of weeks with the way Australia were progressing. Thanks for your time, mate. We'll keep in touch. Thank you. Good on you. Stan Lazaridis, uh, Socceroo champion from the 2006 Golden Generation campaign. We've got some SMSs coming through on the Tempera Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. I'll uh, acknowledge those on the other side of the break. And just updating uh, for tyre power, buy three and get one free on selected Falcon all-terrain tyres at your local tyre power score. Just updating Pakistan, five for 240 so they need another 103 runs with five mi- wickets remaining and still a session 
uh, and a bit to go. So it's going to be a terrific finish to that first test between Pakistan and England being played at Raul Pindi there in Pakistan. And it's great to see test cricket being played back there as well after, of course, a long hiatus where Pakistan had to play all their test matches in uh, the United Arab Emirates. It's 28 past five. We'll change tack and speak about cricket because it was a big day today for West Australian cricket, Lance Morris. And a man that's had a lot to do with him is the head of high performance at the West Australian Cricket Association, a great all-rounder in his day as well. Kate Harvey joins us next on Sports Day. And seat Kia Sorento, Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Thanks to Kia. Yes, sponsors of Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. Great to have your company on this Monday. Just quickly before we speak to Kate Harvey, just trying to knock over a few of the uh, temporary bedshed texts uh, machine uh, messages that have come through on 0487 736 736. You heard my editorial about the AFL uh, at the top of the program dropping the first round of fixtures at the time the full-time whistle sounded in Australia's 2-1 loss to Argentina. And I just thought it was just very ordinary. But anyway, uh, Never Valbany says, Hi, Peter. It reeks of insecurity. The AFL is so insecure about other sports and having success that it tries to saturate and dominate the market to the point that actually people are starting to switch off. We're actually getting a bit sick of it. And when you try and make people addicted to a product, it eventually backfires on you. I barely watched any footy last year. Many people, and my friends included, are doing the same. But then we had this from Trav. Can't agree with your comments regarding the AFL giving a free kick to soccer. They would never give us one. Uh, if our sport was maybe uh, being played in Europe. Uh, so there you go, the f- shoes on the other foot. And this one from Lise. Uh, Hi, Pete, couldn't agree with you more in the AFL's timing yet again. They don't want any other sporting code to take the shine of the AFL backyard uh, school stuff. I was up at 3am and what a game. All of Australia should be very proud of the coach Graham Arnold and the Socceroos. It was a huge effort and they wore the green and gold with pride and they'll be back to take the world on again and Matt Ryan can hold his head up high, the captain of the Socceroos. Good on you, Lise. Thanks for that. Kate, Hardy, Kate Harvey now joins us. He's the uh, head of high performance at the West Australian Cricket Association. Kate, thanks for your time. All good, Pete. How are you? How was the weekend? Uh, going well, thanks, mate. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, the, the weekend was good. Bit of Test cricket. Um, yeah, the Shield guys uh, had a good crack at trying to get get six points. And, yeah, um, yeah, one yeah, stage at six. For, on yeah, one stage when they had Queensland six for thirty, I thought they might go through them, but they held on. What was it, seven for ninety in the end, and it was a draw. But still, our WA boys undefeated in the Sheffield Shield and just flying beautifully at the moment. But first, let's uh, talk, and we'll get back to the Shield in a moment because we know that his performances have been quite outstanding. Let's talk about Lance Morris and his elevation into the squad for the second test against the West Indies at the Adelaide Oval. What a great uh, pat on the back for Lance, who has been the leading wicket-taker in Sheffield Shield cricket so far this summer. Oh, I just threw it for him. You know, he's a, he's a lovely young bloke. He's, he's from down south. He's a good Scarborough boy. Um, in local premier cricket, so that's even better. Um, and he's been, you know, he's essentially done what he's done this season for, you know, he sort of backed up what was a really good year last year. He, um, you know, he was a big part of helping us win a Sheffield Shield. He, he added ball speed and um, and a bit of grunt to a, you know, a, a otherwise very skillful attack. Um, and so, yeah, it's for some they may not know Lance, um, you know, externally from WA cricket or or um, or more broadly, but certainly within our estimations. Um, 
yeah, he, he's right up there in terms of what he's uh, what he's been able to do the last two years, and it's a it's a nice reward for him. He's worked really hard, and um, you know I think when he gets his opportunity, um, as I said, he's a ripping young bloke, and um, he'll make the most of it, no doubt. There no doubt is a clear sign that the selectors have an eye on him for the future here, Cade. And when you look at the 24-year-old, he's considered a like-for-like like for Mitchell Stark, particularly Stark does not recover in time. And you think that uh, you know, Morris will probably get his uh, test debut, but it all depends on Stark. Saying that, tell us more about his ability to bowl and the speeds that he can clock. Uh, people are saying he can bowl up to 150 kilometres per, per hour, and that is seriously quick. Yeah, he's rapid. Um, I've been the bowling coach prior to this role, so I've seen a little bit of him, him come through and work closely with him and, and seen, you know, sometimes you wanted him to dial it back a little bit um, as he was sort of winding up the lackey. Mm. But he, um, he's just got natural ball speed. You know, he's got long levers. He's a big, tall kid, extremely athletic. Um, and whilst he's working hard, he's just got a, you know, he's got that innate ability to bowl quick. And, um, you know, that's that's something that he's he's worked hard at, but it's also... You know, it's just inherently built in him ability to be able to do it. So he's um, yeah, he's done a really good job. And and like I say, the, the athletic type, he's you know he's bowled long spells. You know he's been clocked at 153, I think, in Shield cricket this year, um, consistently above 145. Um, and as a, as a, as any batter knows, that's um, you got someone coming you at 145 consistently. That's hard work. And I think the greatest thing that he does is that he's brought other bowlers into the game. You know, so if you're a spinner at the other end or you're plying your trade at the other end. Um, you know, sometimes they uh, they aren't that keen to have a look at Lance and uh, and might try and move the game forward at the other end. So um, he's been huge for us, not just in the wickets column, but in in terms of the how our attack our attack more wholly shapes up. Can I just clarify? Because I mentioned Mitchell Stark here. We know Pat Cummins, uh, the Australian captain, is in a bit of doubt. But there's also talk about the fact that uh, Josh Hazelwood and Mitchell Stark who had to complete, what, 43 and 45 overs respectively and the quick turnaround that they, they may be sore and may be rested because there is a long, long summer ahead. So hence why I think Lance Morris has been called in just in case Mitchell Stark doesn't uh, recover in time because of his uh, big bowling load here at Optus Stadium. Your thoughts on the Test match, uh, Kate? A lot of talk has been said about the attendance figures but in the end, when you start a test match on Wednesday, I remember as a young kid growing up at the Wacker, it often used to start on a Friday. And Friday was like a public holiday here on the test match day. I think in the end, starting on Wednesday was detrimental to the test match. Uh, any thoughts on it all? Oh, look, I think there's, there's very rarely ever one reason for those sort of things. I thought, um, you know, all, all those things you mentioned, a Wednesday, you know, the West Indies aren't the might and power that they used to be, but... You know, I thought they were they were pretty brave with the bat in particular, and um, you know, a combination of the wicket maybe being a tiny bit flatter than what we thought, and and West Indies, you know, having a real crack with the bat. It was nice to see the game go to, go into a fifth day, but you know, as has been mentioned before, there's a lot of cricket that's happening. Um, you know, it's it's very rarely that you don't turn the TV on one day and there's a Test match. I think people still love watching Australia play, and a lot of people are following it. You know, it's clearly on broadcast, so I think there's a whole heap of reasons, but I think we'll see big crowds once we get to. You know the Boxing Day and the and the Sydney Test, where where I'm sure the people will flock back in. Um, but there has been a you know following a World Cup, um, you know there's been a lot of cricket on. So um, maybe some of those stronger teams will, will attract a, a stronger crowd going forward. Going back to our Sheffield Shield team and possibilities for maybe national selection going forward. A lot of talk regarding. Dave Warner's tenure at the top of the Australian batting order. I tell you what, a fellow that is literally knocking on the door is Cam Bancroft. He's in exceptional form, isn't he, at the moment? 
Yeah, I think Cam's, um, you know, done some work on his game. He's, he's had experience at international level. Um, he's technically in great shape. Um, and he's always had the power of, of batting long periods of time. I think he's been really important for us, as he was last year and this year. I think Sam Whiteman's doing a fantastic job. Um, Sam's game's gone to another level. He's made big, big hundreds, shield hundreds, shield final hundreds. Um, and, and having a really stable, um, experienced opening batting partnership, it's not rocket science in cricket. I think the long-form games, if you've got um, you know, a really strong opening pair, they're good mates off the field. Um, that's been a big part of our success the last two years. So I think both those guys... Um, are doing a great job, and um, no doubt when David Warner decides enough's enough that um, and and you know Usman Khawaja, fantastic player, but at the back end of his career, you know there's probably some opportunities in that in that uh, in those opening positions over the next 12, 18 months. Maybe. I tell you what, Mitch Marsh can't take a trick, can he? All of a sudden, we were looking forward to seeing him uh, perform and smash the ball out of the ground here up the stadium for the Perth Scorchers, and now he's out for the whole campaign. Now, that is real bad luck. Yeah, it's tough for Mitch. That ankle's given him a grief, or his ankles have given him some grief for a while. So, um, yeah, it's a shame because I think over the last 12 months, 18 months, he's found a real confidence in T20 cricket in particular, batting three. You know, it's a high responsibility spot for the Australian team. And, you know, he's found some confidence internationally. So, I mean, it's never good timing for those things. But I think, you know, Mitch is 31. He's still got, he's still hopefully, I saw him briefly today and he's in good spirits and the, and the surgery's gone well. So, um, ho- hoping it's not a really long layoff, but it was certainly an investment in the next two, three, four years of his cricket to be continue to be a you know an all rounder, an all round option, um, you know across all formats. So um, certainly happy for him to get this right and, and and be back out there sooner rather than later. And saying that, I read with interest that he was one of the reasons why Fafta Duplessis, uh, the South African champion batsman, wanted to come to Western Australia because he wanted to play with Mitch at the Perth Scorchers. They sort of got to know each other pretty well because they were part of the same franchise in the Indian Premier League. And now Mitch is going to be a spectator and Faf's going to be wearing the orange, which is a great uh, signing for the Perth Scorchers. Yeah, look, it worked out well. We're really fortunate. Um, you know, once we uh, once we had a spot available that that Faf was keen to come, I'm sure. Well, I know for a fact that a lot of our players are really looking forward to playing with Faf. Mitch has obviously got an existing relationship there, but you know, I know I know a fair few of our players are um, looking forward to playing with him. He's obviously a, an amazing um, international cricketer, but he's also very well regarded off field in terms of his character and his leadership. So, um, all of our guys are looking forward to having him around our group and. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame that Mitch won't be there, but uh, Mitch will certainly be around and um, yeah, and certainly help welcome Faf into the group when he gets here next week. Doing an outstanding job, Kate. There's no question. Uh, exciting times for WA cricket with what's happening with the Sheffield Shield. Uh, certainly young players are certainly being earmarked for greater honours. We've got the Perth Scorchers, the most successful franchise in the domestic T20, about to be launched on December the 17th here at Optus Stadium. But the big question is, I do a program with this lady on Saturday mornings here at SENWA between 9 and 11. Nat Medhurst, how's she going? Has she uh, had a performance review yet since starting there at the WACA ground? Uh, no, no performance reviews. Probably uh, three or four weeks in. But no, she's going. She's going extremely well. She's um, yeah. She just brings a uh, a really great perspective um, as a former athlete and a former elite athlete um, for our girls to to lean on. So um, she's hit the ground running um, and she's been over. She travelled for one trip with the girls and 
and is, is building relationships with the players. But um, no, she's going to be a huge resource for WA cricket and, um, and for our female players in particular. So look forward to her continuing to sink her teeth into it and, um, and seeing um, where, where, you know, sort of her developing in that role. And she reckons you're a good boss as well, Kate. So there you go. Mate, thanks for joining us on the <laughs> no. program, mate. Congratulations. As I said, it's exciting times in WA cricket. We are producing some real jewels. Don't worry about that. And we wish uh, Lance Morris all the best going forward. Thanks for your time, mate. Good on you. Cheers, Pete. Good on you. Kate Harvey joining us, uh, the head of high performance uh, at the WA Cricket Association, doing some amazing things down there. As I said, uh, cricket's never been in better shape from a WA perspective with all our teams doing so well, even though in the WBBL, our Perth Scorchers had maybe a season that they lacked consistency and just missed out on the finals. But prior to that, they were, of course, top of the tree for a number of years. We'll take a break, uh, come back with more in a moment. Of course, the Perth Wildcats are back in town, aren't they, in their next game? And uh, you can get behind the Perth Wildcats. That was a great win against the New Zealand Breakers. Jimmy, my producer, is wearing the Wildcats polo shirt. Uh, You can get the Wildcats tickets for this season at RAC Arena. All you need to do is head to tickertech.com. Dot .au now. You're looking very smart, Jimmy, in that Wildcats polo, let me tell you. Where's mine and where's Lee's? Eh? It's a quarter to six here on Sports Day. Uh, just from the West Coast Eagles, the West Coast Eagles, this is from a uh, club statement that came out around about an hour or so ago. In fact, I uh, yeah, about an hour ago. The West Coast Eagles have been made aware of an incident in Geelong after the AFL and the AFL uh, PA, Indigenous and Multicultural Players Summit on the weekend, involving player Isaiah Winder. The AFL has been informed of the alleged incident, and as this matter is currently under investigation by Victoria Police, we are unable to make any further comment. The club will fully cooperate with Victoria Police and provide support to Isaiah through the investigation. So that's all we know. So there was some sort of incident involving the West Coast Eagles player uh, in Geelong at the weekend, and now the Victorian Police have been called in. In the cricket, uh, Pakistan, five for 256. Five for 256. They're in the box seat. Uh, They need another 87 runs to win, and they've got five second innings wickets in hand. 87 runs to win, five second innings wickets in hand. Uh, Azar is 36 not out, and Salman is 30 not out. And there's still some 41 overs to be bowled in that test match. I've been watching a bit of this, and what's really intriguing is that Sun, now there was a review actually, there was a uh, a review and Ben Stokes is just shaking his head from side to side. He can't believe it was uh, turned down, the appeal by the Englishman. They took it upstairs, it was reviewed. Here's the replay and I'm just watching it now. It's for LBW, it would have hit middle stump. And it says it's bouncing over the top. I don't know how they judge the bounce, I must admit. Now, those wickets in Pakistan don't bounce like they bounce here at Optus Stadium. And that's showing that it would have bounced considerably over the top of middle stump. Normally, those wickets are pretty flat there in Pakistan and India and Sri Lanka. To me, I thought they would have hit halfway up middle stump. But anyway... That's the way it went. Uh, that update, thanks to Tyre Power. Buy three and get one free on selected Falcon all-terrain tyres at your local Tyre Power store. Speaking of cricket, Ricky Ponning was in town at the leave momentarily because he wasn't feeling too good. A bit of a health scare. Uh, the star former Australian captain uh, recapped on that incident here at Optus Stadium. 
Yeah, I probably scared a lot of people yesterday and, and had a little scary moment for myself as well, to be honest. No, look, I was sitting in the, the comms box halfway through the stint and then got a couple of really short, sharp pains uh, through my chest and I sort of tried to stretch it out and get rid of it and, and uh, probably didn't want to give too much away when I was on air. But I had, yeah, so I had a, a couple of those sort of incidents, got through the stint. I uh, got up, went to walk to the back of the commentary box and got a bit light-hearted and dizzy and sort of grabbed the bench and mentioned to JL on the way out, who was, was commentating with me, that I'd had these pains in my chest and Chris Jones heard me as well and basically these two just went, they just reacted straight away and, and, and got me out of there and, um, yeah, 10 or 15 minutes later I was in the, in the hospital um, getting the best treatment that I possibly could. So, look, I feel great this morning. I'm all shiny and new this morning, but I think the bottom line with it is you know, the fact that I was willing to share it with, with JL and then your mate looks after you and, and, and I think as, as people of our age, we're probably a little bit reluctant to share much and talk much about our, our health especially and I think that's a really learning, good learning curve from me yesterday, especially with what's happened over the last 12 or 18 months with, with really close people around us. But no, my little mate looked after me, he got <laughs> me down there and I'm, I'm back here shining you this morning. Good on you. And that was, uh, as I said, uh, the morning after Ricky Ponty. If you missed it across the weekend, you would have heard about the incident and the health scare. That's how he explained it. And just uh, before I go, a lot has been said about Steve Smith, of course, being handed the captaincy when Pat Cummins uh, was off uh, injured uh, with that uh, leg injury that looks like will keep him out of the second test. But the playing status of the former test captain remains uncertain as well, Steve Smith. With the championship-winning Sydney Sixer failing to put his name down to play in the Big Bash, which begins next week, even players at the Sydney Sixers' rival franchises are urging Cricket Australia to pull out all stops to lure him back to the BBL this summer. Now, the BBL is hoping interest generated by the inaugural international draft and the return of high-profile Australians such as Dave Warner and Cameron Green from WA can bolster crowd figures after two COVID-affected summers. And time is running out for the Sixers, who will need to get creative to entice Smith back. And you think if he hasn't put his name down already, maybe he's deciding to just park it. That is the BBL for this summer. So we'll have to wait and see. Thanks for joining us on the program. Hope you enjoyed it. As I said, on Wednesday, I'll be speaking to the head honcho of the Football Australia Confederation in... James Johnson, he's the CEO of Football Australia and we'll have a chat about the World Cup campaign and also the big decisions that need to be made regarding Graham Arnold, the current coach, and how they're going to use what's happened in Qatar to maybe propel the sport forward. James Johnson, 5 o'clock on Wednesday here on Sports Day.